everyone and shalom to you all. It's great to be able to be back with you and to share with you in your uh, lovely service and to uh, be so beautifully welcome. Thank you so much. And uh, yes, it is a, a joy to be able to come and fellowship together in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, in the name of Jesus, our Messiah. And um, I uh, would like to just uh, uh, bring greetings from Israel because I still feel like I have the... Uh, the anointing from Israel. I've got a bit of a, the sun from Israel and I've been there, I just got back two weeks ago. Uh, we were there for five weeks during an extended time of ministry in Israel uh, doing some amazing um, work and opportunities there. There's, um, you know, despite what you hear on the, on the, on the radio, TV and uh, in the news, uh, God is doing some amazing things in the land of Israel today, uh, both amongst uh, Messianic Jews and uh, Israeli Arabs as well, and, uh, and believe, uh, Arab believers in Jesus. Uh, there's some great things happening across the land. And uh, of course all the activities, all the stresses and strains of Israel actually, uh, it's a bit like a pressure cooker, but it's, it really brings forth a, a vital faith in the land of Israel. The uh, new generation of believers in the land of Israel have uh, a very dynamic, very, uh, very um, vital and, and uh, very strategic faith. They, they really are are pressured and uh, my daughter's there staying for the rest of the year and she's been really moved and, uh, and uh, challenged. She's 19 years old, our little baby. Uh, she's thinking of uh, actually living in the land of Israel. Uh, she's thinking even of uh, perhaps um, uh, if she lives there she'll have to go to the army and uh, just uh, a few weeks ago she did a discipleship course with believers in the land of Israel uh, who are preparing the young ones to go into the army. So 18 year olds, 19 year olds have to go and serve in the army for girls two years, boys three years, and um, they really need to be prepared spiritually for that as believers. And my daughter, Leora, did this uh, course as well. She said it really challenged and changed her life. And so uh, there's a new generation of believers in the land of Israel that's growing up there that are making a difference as, they, uh, as they're born in the land, as they go to school, go to universities, go to, uh, go to the army, taking their places uh, in uh, society in Israel, making a difference uh, in, uh, in the land of Israel. So there's great things happening. And so uh, just remember, if you could pray for, the, for Israel. This year we've been celebrating Israel's 70th anniversary uh, of the modern state of Israel, of course. Uh, it's much older than that, really, but 70 years old since uh, Israel became a nation once again in 1948. And so uh, it's been wonderful celebrations. Should I uh, show you a video, a little video that was put together uh, after the tour? So our, our mission time there was uh, involved in different uh, uh, ministries in the land, and it was culminated uh, with a conference where we had 600 people gather in Jerusalem uh, to uh, celebrate uh, Israel's 70th, and we had several Bible teachers every night after touring the land for the day, at night, Bible study as well, and uh, a Bible conference. So it was really great. So I've got a little video that uh, just sums up some of the scenes that we uh, experienced. So let's see if I can show this for you. If you've uh, not been before, I really want to encourage you to try and get a chance to go to Israel. Uh, you'll really see the Bible in 3D after that, because uh, you've seen the places where it all happened. Uh, so, I want to share a little bit about the work that we do locally here and also uh, around the world. So, uh, if we have that PowerPoint up and running, I'll control it from here. Uh, our uh, ministry is called Celebrate Messiah, as you know, 
And um, uh, there are some folks here that have been very aware of the work that we've done, but I guess there might be people here too who have never heard of Celebrate Messiah. So let me share a little bit about that. Uh, we are a mission organization that's uh, dedicated to sharing the gospel with Jewish people. And uh, we work in, uh, in several countries around the world, um, together with our partners, Chosen People Ministries. We've actually got now 16 countries that are part of our network around the world. But uh, my particular interest and focus is the work, obviously, here in Australia, in New Zealand, uh, in Russia, and in Israel. So that's uh, our primary uh, uh, ministries. Uh, you'll find us uh, on the internet. Uh, we, we, we're really about um, doing evangelism amongst Jewish people, but our goal of evangelism is, of course, discipleship. At the end of the day, uh, we don't want just people to become believers in Jesus. We want them to become followers of Jesus. You know, there, there's quite a big difference. There's a lot of churches around that have got a lot of believers. They're all sitting in the pews and there they are every Sunday, but, but not, not all of them are followers. And we really have to become active uh, disciples, followers of Jesus. So uh, that's really what we, we're trying our best to do. Uh, so on the internet you'll find us uh, doing evangelism there and also uh, in various other ways, personal evangelism, meetings and, and, uh, and events. Planting communities, uh, just worshipping Jesus uh, in a way that is uh, culturally uh, applicable and sensitive to Jewish people. So we like to plant what we call Messianic congregations and then just doing good in the name of Jesus, just loving in the name of Jesus, which is always a, a really great way to, uh, of course, uh, share the gospel. Uh, so uh, check us out uh, at celebratemessiah.com.au uh, and also this website here, isaiah53.com.au, great uh, website about um, uh, um, the wonderful chapter of Isaiah, which is a great evangelistic chapter. Uh, working overseas with the uh, uh, Chosen People Ministry in Israel, as I said, it's a real privilege to work in Israel and see a new generation of believers coming up. And um, there's great work across the land that's going on. Uh, and the work that we're involved in there is quite varied. It's amongst um, uh, young people, uh, for instance, in Tel Aviv, which is a really young, vibrant city, uh, amongst Holocaust survivors across the country, uh, single moms, uh, and uh, needy families, and uh, there's also congregational ministries that have been planted, distribution centers, etc. So it's a, it's a great ministry. Please pray for Israel. Um, pray uh, that God will um, help us to continue to support the work in Israel. We send our finances there every, every month to support these various ministries. We always can do with some help with that. We also work in, in the far east of Russia. Far east of Russia, that's... Um, if you're looking at the map of Russia, right on the far right side, right up above Australia as you go up into Russia, we're working in all these remote areas where Jews were sent either as um, free people to go and uh, do uh, various works in this area or often as prisoners in the gulags in the early days in the 1930s and 40s. So we work in an area that's called uh, Birabijan uh, and the Jewish Autonomous Region. There's an area in Russia called the Jewish Autonomous Region. This was Stalin's version of, of Zion, of Israel, before Israel became a state. In the 1930s, he created this area uh, over here, Birubajan. It's just north of China. The Chinese border is right here, uh, Siberia here, Mongolia. So it's in the middle of nowhere. But we're doing work amongst Jews there, and it's a very exciting ministry. We've planted a congregation in Birubajan and also in a place um, north of Vladivostok. The city of Vladivostok uh, is a port city, and uh, we 
planted a congregation there as well. So please pray for that. That was uh, some little pics of our most recent trip to, to uh, a mission trip to Far East Russia. And right now, our missionary Rita is there in Russia, just having done uh, two family outreach camps in uh, those two areas that I've just mentioned. She's coming back tomorrow. Uh, there's a new congregation emerging in a town called Khabarovsk in the middle of the Far East, which we are hoping to start. Uh, we also work in uh, New Zealand, so please pray for the work in New Zealand. It's a very exciting ministry. Mostly it's amongst Israelis that travel around New Zealand every year. There's about 10,000, 15,000 uh, Israelis. A lot of other tourists, but a lot of Israelis travel around, and we have two special outreach centers. One is a, a, a camp, uh, a campsite over here near Amaru and then there's another uh, lodge that we have uh, in a place called Wanaka the lodge actually, uh, that's the campground in Amaru, this is the lodge in Wanaka the lodge is designed to host travelers particularly we uh, offer three nights free accommodation for Israeli backpackers, these are young Israelis just left the army, traveling around the country, they come and stay here at this lodge and we have other young Israelis who are believers in Jesus sharing the gospel with them as they come and stay. So it's very exciting. We're influencing a whole generation of these young travelers. Some of them here. That's, uh, the leader of the work is uh, Scott Brown. He's doing a great job there. Uh, just some exciting stuff happening uh, in Israel. So, of course, uh, we're working down in Caulfield where there's a large Jewish community. Some of you have come to visit us there over the years. That's still going on. Uh, Beit HaMashiach is the English congregation and Dom Misi'i is the Russian-speaking congregation, mostly uh, Holocaust survivors in the uh, Russian-speaking congregation. Uh, some of you might know we've been trying to rebuild the church that we are using. It's an old church that's just about to fall down. If we don't rebuild it, uh, we'll be told to get out of it. So um, very soon now we hope to build the, the Caulfield Messianic Center, which uh, is in the heart of the Jewish area there. So uh, please pray for this project. We're we almost starting this project. Every, within a month or two, we hope to start, but you know, all these things happen which put off that date. If anyone's done a building project, you might know more about it than me. This is all new to me, but it's really trying, and you have to keep on praying and trusting in the Lord and, uh, and believing for all those finances. So uh, we're doing some special outreaches uh, uh, every year um, during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles or uh, the other festivals that are coming up next month. Uh, also Passover every year where we invite people to come and join with us. Our work uh, is also done in just uh, simply doing good in the name of Yeshua, Jesus, amongst Jewish people. There's a lot of poor Jewish people. You know, people kind of snigger at me, ah, oh, poor Jewish people. It's part of the kind of stereotypes that all Jews are rich. Well, let me tell you, it's not true. And there's a lot of Jewish people living here in Melbourne that live really on the poverty line. And actually, sadly, many of them are Holocaust survivors and elderly. And uh, we're doing a uh, benevolent work, uh, giving out food parcels to them every month. And also, especially during the Jewish uh, holidays. So next month, for instance, there's several times we will be doing this. So pray for that. If you want to join us for a weekend at the end of November, we have special guest speakers from Israel, Wayne and Anne Hilsden, that do amazing work in Israel. They'll be our speakers uh, this year. Okay, Sydney is a ministry in Sydney. There's a congregation planted there in Canberra as well. And uh, that's enough of all those kind of things. 
Uh, I have some books at the back, just to let you know, uh, in the foyer there, I've got this uh, book called The Jewish Prayer Focus. It's kind of relevant right now because it's a, a, a prayer diary, basically, for each day for the Jewish high holidays. They're coming up from the Feast of Trumpets uh, in September, on the, um, uh, the 9th of September, all the way to the end of the Feast of Tabernacles on the 30th of September. That's 21 days of prayer focus for Israel. So you remember there was times where there was a book called the Praying for uh, during the month of Ramadan for the Muslims. Well, this is praying for Jewish people during the High Holy Days. It also teaches a bit about those festivals. So uh, this is the current book. It's $9. You can come and get that. And also the latest newsletter, all about Israel's 70th uh, birthday and some of the work that's going on in Israel and a little pamphlet about our conference later on this year. I do also have a clipboard, and I'm going to pass this clipboard around. If anyone likes to get a newsletter from us, it's a free newsletter. And we'd love to be able to send it to you. It's uh, all this kind of newsletter. It's always got something interesting, something relevant, something about the Jewish roots of our faith in Jesus, the Messiah, and how you can pray for Jewish people. All right, so Pastor Werner has asked me to speak about uh, one of my very favorite prayers in the Bible. Favorite prayers. Why is it a favorite prayer of mine? It's a prayer that God wrote. Don't you love prayers that God wrote? I mean, there are a lot of great prayers in the Bible. People, uh, I've just uh, taught yesterday on Nehemiah chapter 1, and what a great prayer in Nehemiah chapter 1. Uh, you know, verses 4 to 11, a great prayer that Nehemiah prayed and repentance uh, for his people towards uh, God, etc. Great prayer. And there are many other wonderful prayers throughout the Bible, but there are only two prayers in the Bible that God wrote. Handwritten by God, in a sense. The two prayers are this priestly blessing, the Aaronic benediction in the book of Numbers. God wrote that prayer, gave it to the priest and said, you will use this prayer to, li- to bless the people. There's another prayer. Anyone know the other prayer that God wrote? The Lord's Prayer, or really the Disciples' Prayer. That's a prayer Jesus wrote, right? Jesus said, this is how you can pray. And he prayed and taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer. We call our Father or uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer. So those are the two prayers specifically in the Bible that uh, God wrote. And so they would be very, very powerful prayers because God wrote them. And of course the rest of the scripture is inspired by God even when Nehemiah, for instance, prayed it was under the inspiration of God. But uh, these are very powerful prayers. My favorite uh, um, Jewish uh, film or play is Fiddle on the Roof. Anyone seen Fiddle on the Roof? If you haven't seen it, you must get it out of the uh, video shop or, or buy it online, whatever. Fiddle on the Roof is a great story of the Jews in Eastern Europe at the end of the 1800s, early 1900s. That's where my family all came out from, from Eastern Europe. My uh, surname, Hirsch, is a a German-Jewish surname. (coughs) And it's very funny, when I go to Germany every now and again, I notice that I am on the menu. They want to eat me. (coughs) Uh, (coughs) Hirsch is a deer. So sometimes you'll find the deer on the menu. Uh, and uh, that's uh, where my family came from, Eastern Europe, uh, from uh, Prussia in those days, and also Latvia, Lithuania. 
But this fiddle on the roof story is the end of the 1800s where Jews were being forced to persecution to leave Eastern Europe and many were going to America, many were going to, uh, to England and uh, some went going to Israel and a whole lot came to South Africa. That's where my family come from. But you remember that story of Fiddle on the Roof. You have the wonderful man Tibia, the milkman, who has a great faith in God. And uh, it's all about stories of the Jewish people in those, early day, uh, in those small shtetls of uh, little towns in Eastern Europe. At the end of the story, <coughs> uh, they were having to leave their town because of persecution once again. And they all gather in town. And they, uh, they talk to the rabbi, the rabbi's in the middle of the group, and they say, Rabbi, what is an appropriate blessing for the Tsar? Because really, ultimately, all this anti-Semitism had come through uh, the, the Russian uh, people, of course, but the Tsar was the source of it. So they said, what is an appropriate blessing for the Tsar? So the rabbi strokes his beard for a while, and he thinks, and he says, mm, yes, may the Lord bless him and keep him far away from us. <laughs> of course, that is uh, an allusion to this, this prayer of the Aaronic benediction. This is a prayer that uh, God introduced to Moses and said, this is how you are to bless the children of Israel. And so, uh, let's see, where am I? <clears throat> the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. We're going to practice that in the Hebrew in a minute. That is the beautiful prayer in Hebrew. And it's a beautiful prayer. And, and it actually can easily be memorized because it has a, a kind of a structure to it and a rhythm to it that is uh, uh, very beautiful with the rep repetitions of the name of God in the prayer. It's a prayer that has been not only treasured by the Jewish people, but it's found itself, of course, all the way into Christian liturgy as well. And uh, it is called the Bekat, Bekat Koanim, the prayer of the priests, the priestly blessing. And uh, actually in the Hebrew... Uh, there are 15 words in Hebrew. So there's only 15 words to memorize. <coughs> uh, in fact, if you don't count the three times that God's name is mentioned, there's only 12 words in Hebrew, and perhaps those 12 words represent the 12 tribes of Israel. It's got a rhythmic, rhythmic repetition and, uh, and the use of the sacred name of God, which in, uh, in uh, the Hebrew we now use the term Adonai, Adonai, Adonai. I'll talk about that more in a moment. It's called the blessing of the priest because God gave it to the priests to bless the children of Israel. The priests were the sons of Aaron. Uh, the helpers of the priests were the tribe of Levi. The sons of Aaron uh, were only the ones who were allowed to be the high priests. And uh, this prayer has been passed on faithfully throughout the generations. And it's still widely used today in the synagogues and uh, in Jewish homes. And there's a lot of references to this prayer in the Bible, but uh, just to point out a couple of references, uh, for instance, here in uh, Leviticus chapter 9, verse 22. Then Aaron lifted up his hands towards the people and blessed them. The lifting up of the hands, of course, is a very Jewish tradition. It's not Pentecostal as such. 
It was invented by the Jewish people, of course, in worship of God, uh, three and a half, three thousand years ago. The lifting up of the hands to bless the people, and also the laying on of hands. Of course, it's a very uh, Jewish tradition as well. This prayer is also known as the Nesiat Kapayim, the prayer of the raising of the hands. So the prayer should always be said with the raising of the hands to, to bless. And uh, in Deuteronomy chapter eight, uh, 10, verse 8, we also read about this. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant, to stand before the Lord to minister and to pronounce blessings in His name, as they still do today. Now, in the time of the temple, uh, it was used uh, in prayer in the temple. And a worshipper would come to God with their offerings and their praise and they would leave the temple with a blessing that is pronounced upon them. And this is the blessing that they would receive, the, the blessing of, this, uh, of the priests. And um, <clears throat> when the priest actually recited this blessing, uh, he would not say, Adonai, as we do today, he would use, in the time of the Bible, he would use the sacred name of God. The sacred name of God. How do we pronounce the sacred name of God? We don't know. We really don't know. We still don't know. People have guessed how to pronounce the sacred name of God. In the Hebrew, it's yud Hey vav Hey. yud Hey. Vav hey. There's only four letters in the Bible that uh, are used there to pronounce God's name. Now, because of the holiness of God's name, not wanting to break the commandment, do not use the Lord's, God, the Lord, Lord's name in vain, uh, and because the priests didn't want people to be blessed who didn't deserve it, they didn't want them to be able to take on God's name and be blessed when they didn't deserve it. So they stopped using the name of God two or three hundred years before Jesus. And as a result of not using the name of God, basically we, for, we forgot how to pronounce it. So there have been some guesses as how to do it. And uh, also uh, in the Bible today, if you open up your Old Testament, whenever you see the name of God... Lord, in capital letters, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, in the Hebrew it does not say Adonai, in the Hebrew it says yud Hey vav Hey because uh, we don't really know how to pronounce it, we just say Lord, Adonai, in Hebrew. But because of the uh, actual vowels of the Hebrew Adonai, and because of these letters in the Hebrew yud Hey vav Hey people came up with the pronunciation Jehovah. But we're not too sure exactly if that is right and it's possibly uh, not right. There's other guesses. Yahweh. Yahweh. Again, it might be quite accurate, but we don't know for sure. One day, that will be revealed to us, I guess. Uh, in the future, we'll know exactly how to pronounce this name of God. In the meantime, we have the yud heh vav -Hey, and it's called the Tetragrammaton, in a sense. And so uh, uh, that's what it's called, Tetragrammaton in uh, the Greek. Uh, but it is uh, referring to the sacred name of God, the holy name of God. And uh, this blessing uh, uses God's sacred name three times. So still today this priestly blessing is pronounced in synagogues uh, by those who are from the tribe of the Kohanim. 
Now, no Jewish person today really knows what tribe we're from. So people often say to me, Lawrence, do you know what tribe you're from? And I say, no, none of us really know. If any Jewish person says with, with certainty they are from this or that tribe, the tribe of Asher, tribe of Benjamin, tribe of Levi, or tribe of uh, Judah, they just guess in. They're sucking it out of their thumbs. You don't know. No one knows. Why? Because all the genealogical records were destroyed by Titus and the Roman armies in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. But Judaism has come up with a, a, um, uh, a tradition that the people of Israel today are divided into three groups or three tribes. The Kohanim, the priests, the Levitim, the Levites, and the Israelites, the children of Israel, B'nai Israel. So there's only three groups according to Jewish tradition, but it's just traditional. It doesn't go back to, to the time of the Bible. The Kohens, have a look in their phone book, how many Kohens there are. A lot of Jewish Kohens. That's the name for priests. Kohanim is priests. And there's some derivatives of that Hebrew word, Kohen, and a lot of Jewish people have that surname. My grandfather, his surname was not Kohen, but he was from the priestly tribe. His name was Lazarus. His surname was Lazarus. My grandfather was uh, from the Kohanim. And then there are the, the Levites and there are the Israelites. And so today, those who are from the tribe of the Kohanim are allowed to be the ones who bless the rest of the congregation. There are other uh, rules about the Kohanim. They're not allowed to touch a dead body, as it says in the Bible. So if there's a funeral, for instance, they're not allowed to come close to the body. They have to stand back from the funeral behind a special barrier etc. And so these are the ones that would face the congregation. They would put upon their, their heads the prayer shawl. Of course you've seen Orthodox Jewish men use the prayer shawl, the talit. Of course uh, there is a lot of reasons why the prayer shawl is used and I'll perhaps talk about it in another message one day but they'll put the prayer shawl over their heads, they'll raise up their hands and they'll raise their hands up in a special configuration, which I cannot do. My fingers don't do it. The configuration is something like that. Can anyone do that? Alright. Yeah, those two fingers have to be together with a break. Why doesn't my fingers do it? I'm genetically unable to do it. There you go, that kind of configuration. Lift up your hands. Alright, like that. They'll lift up their hands and bless the people. Now, does that look familiar to anybody else who likes... Uh, Star Trek? Yes, it was the, the Vulcan salute in the Star Trek series. Why? Well, Dr. Spock was Jewish. Leonard Nimoy was his name, the first Dr. Spock. He was Jewish and uh, he says that when he was a young boy, he would look at the priests blessing the, uh, the congregation with that configuration with their hands like that. And therefore, when they were looking for a Vulcan hand salute, he thought, that's the one. So, that's where the Vulcan hand salute comes from. It's from the priestly blessing. Okay, enough of the trivia, right? Let's have a look at what the Bible says about this. Alright. <clears throat> the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So remember there with the Lord, 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 it's actually God's sacred name, yud heh vav Let's try and do that together. 
uh, in the Hebrew. All right, can you see that okay? Not that easy for you, perhaps. Okay, I will say it first, and you're going to respond. And Hivarechacha uh, Adonai Vihishmarecha. Okay, let's try that again. Hivarechacha Hivarechacha Adonai Vihishmarecha. Okay, not too bad, not too bad. Okay, second uh, uh, verse. Ya'er Adonai Panav Elecha Vikunecha Alright, not too bad. Hisa Adonai Panav Elecha Ve'asem Lecha Shalom Okay, you've got a bit of Hebrew lessons to do here at this church, I think. That's okay. I can't uh, speak Greek or anything like that, but some other people here do. Okay. Hivrechecha Adonai v'hishmarecha Yae panavelecha v'kunecha Hisa Adonai panavelecha v'asem lecha shalom It's a beautiful blessing. Let's look at it a little bit more closely. Hivrechecha Adonai v'hishmarecha The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The word bless comes from the Hebrew word bracha. The word tradition is interpreted really a blessing and it has the concept of a material blessing. A material blessing. But this material blessing, this success, this, this prosperity is not just monetary. It is in the whole of life. When the Lord blesses you, He's not just going to bless just some parts of your life. There needs to be God's blessing upon all of our life. Not just our finances, but our relationships. Our, our family, our community, our, our, uh, our, our, yeah, especially our relationships, I see God's blessing. is very important there. This success, therefore, is in all of life's endeavors and refers to prosperity but also uh, well-being in all of life. Bracha, God's blessing. But I love the way that this, uh, this word, may the Lord bless you, is coupled with uh, another word, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. When God blesses you, He not just gives you prosperity and success in all of life, but you need to have His blessing to be able to keep that in your life. There's a lot of people that get rich quickly, right? Does that bring blessing to them? No. Normally, just people's lives just fall apart. They win Tats Lotto, for instance. And they get all this money, millions of dollars. Everyone thinks that's fantastic. Their life is going to be so cool, so nice, so easy. Normally their lives fall apart because they haven't got the ability to keep that blessing. They don't have the right um, uh, character. God hasn't, or they perhaps have not allowed God to build that character in, in them to, uh, uh, to, be, uh, to be able to keep the blessing of God. So God bless you and it's coupled with this idea, may God keep you. That's his guardianship. And the word you is in the singular form and yet it implies uh, corporately. When God blesses you, it's not just a blessing for you personally, it's a blessing for your family and for your community. When God blesses one individual in Israel, it's a blessing for the entire nation of Israel. Conversely, it is true too, isn't it, when one person sins, that person's sin can affect the entire nation. Like in the guy called Achan uh, in, the, in, the, in the book of um, 
Judges, or uh, sorry, not Judges, Book of Exodus, when they're traveling through the land uh, and they had to go and attack Jericho and he sinned against God, the whole nation was affected by the sin. Was it uh, Book of Exodus, Achan, when he attacked Ai? But he had stolen the Book of Joshua, thank you, uh, where he had uh, stolen the uh, the articles that are dedicated to God. It, it affected the whole nation. When God blesses us, it should bless our community. And so there's a community blessing involved here in this, in this ironic benediction. <clears throat> okay, and of course this is a, 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 an idea that comes through into the New Testament where the Apostle Paul says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. We can't take our money with us, we need to use it for the blessing of God's kingdom here on earth and uh, to lay for ourselves up really treasures in heaven. And also, uh, we are called to do good with uh, the blessings that God has given us, to do good and uh, to do good deeds. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through Him. To do good in the name of Jesus. And that's what we are to invest ourselves in. So not just to seek wealth, seek prosperity. And, you know, that's a real diversion in people's lives. And sometimes in some churches, that's just the only gospel that you get uh, preached at is about this prosperity doctrine, prosperity um, uh, gospel. Well, God does want to bless us. But it's not just for our personal wealth. It's for the blessing of the community and to build up the kingdom of God. And there is a blessing that comes but a blessing that enriches us, a blessing that enriches our, our relationships and that uh, he not only blesses us materially, but he blesses us spiritually, gives us the ability to keep that blessing and uh, see it in the right perspective. So the first blessing has to do with material blessings so that our spiritual blessings may abound. So what does God keep us from? The Bible tells us what he keeps us from. It says he keeps us from Evil, as it says in Psalm 127. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time and forevermore. Amen. Alright, the second blessing. So this, that's the first one. The second one. Ya'er Adonai panavalecha vikunecha. Everyone say. Ya'er Adonai panavalecha vikunecha. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Panim. Panim is the Hebrew word for face. So here we are. Sorry. We have uh, this word um, panav. God's face. Now God doesn't literally have a face. He's not literally a man, of course. He's not literally in body form. God the Father is spirit. So this is an anthropomorphism, it's called. It means uh, really giving God who is spirit a, a physical form so we can understand God's face. But it's speaking of his, his favor. When God lifts up his face towards you, he's lifting up his favor towards you. 
His grace and His favour is resting upon you. This is seen in many other passages in the Scripture. Psalm 31 verse 16. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. In other words, show me your kindness and graciousness. Look affectionately on me and save me in your steadfast love. A great Hebrew word too. Steadfast love. Chesed. Chesed. Everyone say chesed. You have to clear your throat. All these words. (laughs) The Germans and the, the Dutch and the Afrikaans can do this well. Chesed. Okay, God's chesed. So this uh, blessing is given to a covenant people. Remember the people of Israel were in covenant with God, in relationship with God. Gentiles who were not originally part of God's chosen people now have been grafted in. All of us, through faith in the Messiah, we are all now the new covenant people of God. You've been grafted in together with uh, believing Israel. And we are now one humanity in Messiah. And God wants to shine His face upon all of us. Psalm 80 verse 3 says, Restore us, O God, let your face shine, that we may be saved. How has God shone His face upon us? Well, of course, when the Messiah came, He came physically as a man, incarnated in flesh, fully a God, fully a man, and He did have a face, of course. And so, uh, God shone His face to us through the Messiah, who is the very glory of God made flesh. In 2 Corinthians we read, For it is God who once said, Let light shine out of darkness, who has made His light shine in our hearts, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, shining in the face of Messiah Yeshua. God shines His face ultimately upon us through Jesus our Messiah. Alright, the third blessing. Let's go to this third blessing. Hisa Adonai Panav Elecha Ve'asem lecha shalom. Everyone say, Hisa Adonai. Panav alecha. Ve'asem lecha shalom. Everyone knows the word shalom, right? It's lovely how this word finishes off the prayer. It's finished off with this word, which means completeness and wholeness. And uh, not just the absence of war, but uh, health and joy and uh, and uh, happiness. This final blessing, this final blessing has seven words in the Hebrew. And the number seven speaks of completion. And as I said, it finishes off with the word shalom. In Genesis 19 verse 21, uh, after God through two angels had rescued Lot just before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, we see the Lord answering Lot's question to to, uh, to flee to another small city. And uh, uh, the, the Bible says, He said to him, Very well, I grant you this favor too, and will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. In Hebrew, when it says, I will grant you this favor, it literally says, I will lift the face towards you. It's translated favor, because I said, when God lifts his face, it's God's favor. Nasati fanecha in Hebrew, I will lift the face towards you, literally. This is when God shows His favor towards us. He lifts His face upon us. And the final part of the third blessing seals all the preceding blessings. We asem lecha shalom and give you peace. Shalom. What a beautiful word. God wants us to experience His shalom in our hearts. He wants us to have shalom 
in our homes, in our family. He wants us to have shalom in our community. He wants to bring His shalom into our world that we live in. And one day the Messiah will return and bring shalom to the whole world. And that's what we're looking forward to. So this blessing is all about a God who is... I love this blessing. It's because God wants to bless us. Isn't that great? God wants to bless us. He wants his, to show favor to His covenant people, to extend His grace. He wants to prosper us. He wants to bless us, to give us the fullness of shalom through Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. Sa shalom in Hebrew. But what is really the power of this blessing? These are wonderful truths. The power of the blessing really is seen in this verse. Vesamu et shemi al Israel ve'ani avachem. So I will put my name upon them and I will bless them. See, God wrote this prayer, said it to the priest, said, say this prayer over the people and he gave them the words of the prayer and then he said, when you do this, I will put my name on them. That is the real blessing. You have the name of God upon you. Isn't that a very powerful thought? Through the, you know, God's covenant people, he would put his name on them. They would be tagged, if you like. They'll be identified with God wherever they go. And this is true for each one of us as believers in Jesus as well. God has put his name, his name upon us. And uh, uh, that is where the real blessing is. His name rests upon us. We have his blessing because he identifies himself with us. We are his people and uh, he is our God. Wherever we go, we have the name of God upon us. That is a great blessing, a great favor, but also a great responsibility too, isn't it? Because wherever we go, God's name goes with us, so we better be careful where we go and what we do and what we say. This is discipleship. Be careful what we do because you know, God has tied up his reputation with us. So if we do something wrong, God's name is dishonored. That's really sad, isn't it? And it happens a lot. And we have to be careful that we watch our lives closely because we don't want to dishonor the name of God. We want to bring Him glory in our lives. So we have to make sure that we live a life that is pleasing to Him. This is the part of discipleship in this prayer. How do we live our lives? How do we sanctify, that is to bring glory to God's name in our lives? It's the way we live. This prayer, at this point, is what links us with the Lord's Prayer. How does the Lord's Prayer begin? I'm not sure if I have this on the screen. No. The Lord's Prayer that He taught His disciples to pray, Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be Your name. Hallowed be Your name. That's kind of old English. Um, I don't know if you remember, there was a rabbi who came to faith in Jesus here in Melbourne, Rabbi Harold Valance. He became a great friend of ours, of course. Uh, he was quite a cheeky rabbi, very mischievous. Uh, and he used, to have a <laughs> he used to have a version of this prayer. He would say, uh, Our Father in heaven, Harold be your name. Not Harold, hallowed. But it really means sanctified. S sanctified be your name. Uh, in other translations, a more literal translation, Our Father in heaven, May your name be kept holy among us. How do we keep God's name holy among us? 
by watching our lives, by living lives that are faithful to Him, and not dishonoring His name. It's how we live our lives. And that's our calling as believers, to live our lives in the way that sanctifies, brings blessing and honor to God's name. Amen. So God blesses us so that we might be a blessing to others. We're not to keep the blessing, we are to share the blessing. When God called Abraham and said to him, get out of your country and go to the land I'll show you, he said, I will bless you. And as you go, be a blessing. That's in the Hebrew, it really is quite uh, literal like that. Uh, I'll bless you to be a blessing. I'll bless you as you go and be a blessing. And that's what he calls us to go out to the world and be a blessing. Take the name of God upon you because it's on you already and be a blessing to those that you meet. Wherever you go, whether it's to the supermarket, where we go uh, to work, be a blessing because God's name is upon you. And uh, God blesses you so that you might be a blessing to others. So, let me finish. And uh, let me invite you to stand. As uh, we, we really do pray God's blessing upon each and every one of us and upon our children and our children's children. Amen. Hivrechacha Adonai vihishmarecha. Yae panavelecha vikunecha. Hisa Adonai panavelecha veasemlecha. Shalom. Beshem Yeshua Meshichenu. Sa shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua our Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. Please be seated.